Knights of Townham, Watford 3, Manchester United 1. Welcome to the Rookery End. Just beat Man United. I'm going to do it. When I say hello, you say yellow. Hello. Oh, come on. Don't ruin it, John. Come on. What a result. What a result. Try, Johnny. When I say hello, you say yellow. Hello. <laughs> You're not boring. <laughs> anyway, Watford won 3 1 against Manchester United. And welcome to From the Rookery End. And I hope it will be incredibly positive. Uh, my name is John. With me is Mike. Uh, afternoon. Uh, and this week, Geordie. Hello. Uh, and uh, we are seizing hold in the Rookery End, lifelong uh, Watford fans, to the point where I don't think Watford have ever beaten, in my lifetime as a Watford fan, over 30 years now, uh, have ever beaten Manchester United uh, in the league here. He's probably never going to let us uh, hear the end of this, but um, uh, he had to go off early. Um, I had to speak to Jason about his prediction. Jason, would like to remind... Well, actually, let's uh, have a a flashback to uh, episode 7.1. Jason, last pre-season we did a podcast and you said Watford's biggest scalp of the season was going to be? Liverpool. And Watford's biggest scalp of last season was? Liverpool. Jason, who's going to be Watford's biggest scalp this season? Let's, let's go bold, let's go big, let's okay, go bold. Okay. Let's catch Manchester United off guard. Yet again, Jason, your prediction was correct for our big scalp of the season. Two seasons on the trot, I'm getting good at this. I mean, next year I'll predict us to win the league, you can hear what a game it was because I've lost my voice I've had a bit of a cold during the week so that's not helped but all the yeah fantastic atmosphere we deserved it as well didn't we? it wasn't lucky we deserved that you got to give credit to, to Gomez for that save off Ibrahimovic's header um, Prudel got man of the match I think he could equally have gone to Britos as well because he was outstanding in the back three and right across the pitch everyone was brilliant the subs that came on look at Zuniga's come on scored what his first touch and then won the penalty since the last time you resold me at Vicarage Road, can you point one thing in particular since that Arsenal game that sort of changed for you? Obviously, we've got a, a, a different squad now. We've got better players, I think, coming off the bench. Uh, we're, not, we're not scared of these teams either. I think that's, that's a big difference. We were having a go at United um, and they couldn't cope with us. They couldn't really cope. You look at that lineup, United lineup today, that was scary. Jose didn't want to lose three games on the trot. He had the bean guards out, but we didn't care. We, we fought them, we battled them. One thing I would say, I thought we looked like we were doing a lot more. We were a lot more physical against them as well, I think, than we were against. <coughs> excuse me, than we were against Arsenal. And yeah, we were really getting stuck into them. They didn't like it. Jace, what's the lottery results for next week? 5 7, 23, 25, 41, 42. <laughs> Where should we start? Do you know I'm going to start? Go on. Igalo, Mr. Sitter. He did. Good <laughs> lord, he did. And he actually had a stinker. Yeah. Afternoon, everybody. This is Mike being negative on the <laughs> afternoon. We beat Manchester United 3-1 at home. I thought we had a really poor game today. But, yeah, he missed um, not an easy chance because it was came to him at height. He had to volley it, didn't have much time to think about it. You'd expect him to score it 99 times out of 100. And he did wonder at that stage, is it going to be Watford's day? Luckily, team rallied round, did their job. Incredible result. And I think that was the moment for me, Geordie, where Watford came into life. From that moment onwards, it seemed that Watford were by far the better team on that pitch. I think, I think we were the better team. I think there was shades of Chelsea 
in the sense that we came against a team who you'd expect to be better than us. We look at their team sheet, you know, you start listing their good players off the top of your head and you, know, you don't even mention De Gea. <laughs> He's like one of the best goalies in the league and you think, you know, they've got, they've got quality everywhere. And they've got Mourinho on the bench, they're going to be like a like kind of ratty team that's going to niggle away at us and get, you know, it's Man United times Mourinho. I mean, what what more annoying can there be in the league uh, for, getting, for getting what they don't deserve? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a turning point. I think there was some bizarre turning point also in the second half where it went to one all, and it's almost like um, throwback to Chelsea, except we've learned. We then knew what to do to wrestle control of the game back. Well, the, the throwback for me was a substitution of a really world-class player. It was Fabregas against Chelsea, and it was Mata that they put on and today, and he seemed to really change them completely. They were a different team. It was bizarre because they didn't really change that much their formation, but it created a sense of... Not really sure what I'm doing for us, and then like lots of version kicked in, having having let a goal in, having been so dominant, and not put, close the game off. Partly down to Igarlo's miss, but obviously there's other chances too. You just wonder whether the team thought, oh no, we don't want to lose this, given what's happened. But fair play to the manager, he brought on Thuniga, and I've not seen anyone, well apart from Ben Watson coming on at two 0 down and turning it into seven two. <laughs> I've not seen anyone quite have an impact like that. He kind of got the ball, laid it off, ran up the pitch, bang, and there's a goal, and then a little while later. Little Shemmy's a penalty as well. How's that, lads? Is that? <laughs> I think we've got to look at the first half performance before we, we get too far ahead of ourselves. So yeah. I think that was it was dominant from Watford. I was worried coming into the game. You know, you saw the team sheet. Thought, thought Jose's going for it. There's a lot of heavyweights in that in the United side. We were obviously starting three-five-two again. We had a slow start against West Ham. How's that? How's our defence going to going to hold up? It switched again. So Kabul's out and Pradel, Cathcart and Britos with with a, with a three. And, you know, these 12 o'clock kickoffs are funny, aren't they? You never know if the crowd's going to be up. One team always never seems to fancy it. And you just, loads of variables flying around this morning. And you thought, oh, we're gonna, this is going to be tough for us. This is going to be tough. But that, I thought that first half performance was, was great. They, they snapped into tackles. They were neat. They were direct. They were aggressive. They moved the ball quickly. I think Pereira had another great sort of first half. I thought the second half he, he, he faded a little bit. But everyone did their job really, really well in that first half. Again, Barami I thought was absolutely magnificent. What a pain in the backside. I've got to do my player ratings for ESPN later. And I, I think the only thing you can say about Barami, I'm just glad he, he plays for us. I'm glad. If I ever had to face him, I'd just, I'd just give up. I'll, the good thing about him is last year, um, when he got uh, the red card and was out, uh, Watson came in and sort of cemented his place. He's played so well over yeah. the last few games that if he had to have a game off for injury, a game off for um, a holiday or a, a baby, whatever. Holiday? I don't know. Just think of it. Like we miss a game. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking on my feet. I'm thinking on my feet. <laughs> Putting an absence requesting for the manager. Can I have the uh, Saturday off, please? Yeah, just but if imagine you missed a game. Two holidays. They've just got a sail on. I fancy the Canaries for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Any chance? He misses the game for whatever reason. Whatever reason. He'd be straight back in that team. He's actually really done well in, in terms of like he's a, you know, a vital cog now. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's pretty much indispensable. One of the first names on the on the sheet. But I thought that was a great team performance that first half. Well, let, let's talk about the team. Let's go through them. Yep. One man who got battered and bruised all over the place, Jordi, Yan uh, Matt. He did. Yeah, I was a little bit worried at the start of the game when we when I saw it was three five two, and they had Rashford on one side, Martial on the other. You know, Zlatan. Ibrahimovic, he's got two names uh, in the middle with you know Fellaini running in with his kind of silly hair, Rooney on the edge of the box. You thought, oh, you know, Arsenal kind of really exploited the width against us, got him behind our wing backs. I'm a bit worried about that. But Yangmat going forward was you know bustling, and they, they had Shaw, Valencia, Rashford, and Martial, so real attacking strength on the wings. I was a little bit worried, but we just didn't let them get into their stride. And I thought Yangmat, I thought Anne Holabas, both 
both owned their respective side of the pitch. And when Amrabat came on, you know, because obviously I think uh, was it a shoulder that yeah, Matt did. He seemed to be holding his shoulder. Fair. He he was pushed into a hoardings. Yeah. Uh, he got a head hit his head. Yeah. Um, there was another injury as well. He got pushed over. But then the thing that was final when he sort of I think he, I don't know if he fell awkwardly, but it, yeah, his shoulder was the thing that sort of took him out of the game. It's like in those old kind of street fighter games where you see your energy go down as you get more and more more and more hits, and eventually kind of you know they did finish him yeah. <laughs> kind of to go to uh, Mortal Kombat. Uh, but you know, Amrabat has played really well in that position. You know. Uh, maybe less as good defensively, but that was also an accusation for Yamak when we signed him. So they know what they're doing. I think. I think to Mike's point, not only did everyone do do their job, they did the kind of the ugly side of their job really well. No one slacked off. Not Kapu, you know, who's more of a flair player. Nobody slacked off. And Nigalo did his chasing down. He didn't. He didn't. He wasn't odding the goal scorer. He was a bit of a pest, you know, getting stuck into Bailey and stuff. Dini the same. We didn't really create any chances. Dini had the header. Nigalo had that kind of shot he put wide, which is a bit difficult got the right height just didn't get the right direction so 50 50 percent there but we, we didn't create chances for our center forwards but we create chances for other players i don't know if it's a just today or if it's a sign of the way we're going to play less chances for the two guys we depended on last year but distribute the goals more the podcast is going to be unrelentingly positive and quite and quite rightly so but i would say that there were some moments in that first half where we tried to why shoot do you have to why do you, my, my, why do you have to come lapses, on there were lapses in concentration i think Cathcart put, played a ball back and was it um ibrahimovic yeah. played in and there's another one i think barami gave the ball away at, at, after after praising him to the high heavens a minute ago <laughs> follow barami what are you doing man he played one across the center of the park that was under hit and I thought let's not let him get let's not let him get him into the back into the game with a, with a silly mistake and it did sort of happen two or three times as that first half wore on. I thought the three centre backs were, were magnificent. Pruedel I thought came back in was absolutely magnificent. He did uh, the pretty stuff. He was he was simple and he just gave it a massive old wallet when he had to. He put his body on the line. I thought he was great. Um, Bridos sort of in and out a little bit. He can you know he shows they've got little lapses of concentration and the, and the Man United goal did come from a sort of after you clawed moment in, in the back, didn't it? They were sort of all trying to clear it. It ended up a bit of luck for Man United, a bit ponderous from us and probably could have been avoided. So there were little bits that could have let a different Manchester United in. If it was Man City, for example, and Aguero's on, onto that back pass, then, you know, forget it, it's game over. They, then they go on and win the game. But we had a little bit of luck, perhaps with the, with the lead up to the goal as well. I think saw it in real time. I thought it was a fair challenge. Saw it on the replay, and I thought I'm just amazed he didn't give it as a foul. I don't think it was a foul. Well, but I, I think they usually get given. Richard, who I sit next to, I uh, got a text from a friend who was watching at home on BT Sport. Apparently, Harry Webb said no, but it was close. He got the ball, but he got the man. And I think 99 times out of 100, a referee certainly when you're playing against Man United is going to blow up. But I think he did well. You know, we gave him a bit of stick on the on the uh, on the on the podcast Twitter feed. Uh, at what for podcast if you want to follow us for, for more gems like this we asked we did a little poll and asked when would uh, Michael Oliver give the first penalty and the uh, the winning answer was in the pre-match warm-up so that's what we thought about Michael Oliver I think it's fair to say that he did a reasonable job he let the game flow there weren't any bookings until late on in the game um, uh, it was gloriously ironic to hear Manchester United fans complaining about the referee it's about time that they realised that uh, life isn't always plain sailing uh, in that respect um, so perhaps yeah we got a bit of luck a bit of bad luck for the goal a bit of luck for ours perhaps but first half performance I thought was largely great but then there was that sort of 15-20 minute spell where United had the ball they grew into the game and Watford didn't really get a kick and I thought 
this is going to be difficult. This but, is going to be tough. But that was, as Jordi said, that was the fact that we got through that the other side of it is, is an improvement since the Chelsea uh, the Chelsea game at least. Yeah, they're um, stuck in there. They didn't. There, there weren't. I think Gomez made a, made a one superb save. Um, obviously, talking about luck again. Pogba, um, Pogba had that shot early on that, that, that came back off the bar. That was the. He looked, very, he looked very nonchalant. Did uh, Gomez about that ball going over the top of his head? Not, not a lot he was going to do about it. I think you had more chance of saving it than, than him, John. But um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think we're sort of flitting around a little bit, but that's because we're excited about what was a, overall a brilliant, brilliant performance. Um, and I think every every man out there deserves credit. I think Igalo will be disappointed with his performance. I think if there's one man who probably didn't do himself justice, it was him. He battled on, but uh, he, I think he had a bit of a sinker, to be honest. And it's against a team that he would have liked to perform best against. Igalo, always believe in your soul. You got the power to know you indestructible. Always believe in You're listening to From the Rookery End. Mike's surname is Parkin. He has a son called Arlo. And this is where we get his opinion in our feature, Michael Parkinson. We're delighted to be joined once again on Michael Parkinson by Arlo. Hi Arlo, how are you? Good. Now Arlo, Watford have racked up another memorable win. They beat Manchester United today. But what would you say is the best result? Beating Man United, beating West Ham last week, or the 3-0 win against Liverpool last year? Which is the best one? The West Ham one, because they got more goals. Now, one last question. Paul Pogba plays for Manchester United. He costs £98 million. Do you think he's worth it? No. Thanks, Arlo. Cheers for joining us. See you soon. Bye. A podcast made by Watford fans Fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Look down there, Mike. Uh, We're we're on the uh, occupation road, top of occupation road outside the Hornet shop. Um, There is a big throng. I'm going to use that word, throng. Yeah. um, Of people outside. That's what you uh, wear to the beach, isn't it? (laughs) Only me can get get away with it. Uh, They're they're waiting for this Manchester United team to, to come out. I don't think the Manchester United team particularly want to see them. It wasn't their greatest performance. Out of all the wins we've seen under the Pozzo era, Mike, mm. this isn't the most highest scoring. No. It isn't the most dominant no. we've ever had. Is it the best win? Where would you, would you sit it in the Pozzo era? I think it, looking back, it actually was quite a dominant win. I think if you know if if we weren't Watford supporters and get the nerves and all the the associated feelings around it, I think the, the guys in the BT studio, I assume, will be saying that Watford thoroughly deserved the win and and look comfortable. What it is is another little tick, another little. If we're climbing the rock face of the Premier League, that's another big step forward of us being an established team that people give us respect, um, that people will accept us as. Because I still think there's that, you know, we'll fall out of West Ham. How do you concede four to Effin Watford and all this sort of stuff? People still see us as a as a ramshackle little local provincial club who've got um, a squad that's been thrown together with with randoms from all over the country, uh, from all over the world. I was speaking to sort of uh, to journalists and other sort of people who watch a lot of football and they say, well, I still think Matsari sort of throws a deck of cards up in the air. And so there's still this to, to, to choose his side. So there's still a perception that Watford are playing at it a little bit and a sort of and sort of, and a sort of just here for the ride. And games like this. They take a big old sort of, I don't know, they're just a massive step forward saying, actually, wake up, you know, we're here and we're doing it properly, we're serious. Because one of the things I've, re- I've noticed recently about how, the way the media talk about us, you know, we, I, you know I'm not a, don't read everything or listen to everything or whatever, but there's definitely, when we beat, when Arsenal beat us, it was like Arsenal won great form. But the whole great 
improvement second half never comes through. And I know it's a media thing. West Ham last week, it, the, the talk wasn't a great Watford. No. It was a poor West Ham and a ridiculous yeah, uh, crowd. That's what I mean. And that's, what, that's what I mean. Will this change that? This, the fact that we have beaten Manchester United 3-1, will it change? Or does it mean even more than that? Do we have to do more? The conversation will still be that this is Man United have lost three in a row. Mourinho's under pressure. Rooney looked poor. Uh, the formation was wrong. It's not getting the best out of Pogba, who they've paid almost £100 million for. So, the, you know, the narrative is always going to be about Manchester United, and I accept that. But people will take more. Uh, people are incrementally taking notice of Watford, and that's uh, not just today, not just West Ham, not just Liverpool last year, but over the, you know, the, the ground looks better, the, the, the club is better, the fans are noisier, there's more people here, and the team are performing consistently better. You know, we are making progress so we know this thing, this project that everyone talks about, and we want to be established. And it's easy to fall into the uh, fall into the trap of using them as buzzwords. But that's what it is. That is an actual aim. Being established is an aim, and it's games like this that will will help us help us do that. I was reading. I read an absolutely magnificent article with uh, with Pereira, um, Simon Burnton in the Guardian did a great great interview. If you haven't read it, look it up. And one of the things in that was that when he was a kid, he did like a 15-hour each way trip to train at the weekends because that's how keen he was to play football and I think it's important that we supporters remember that that these guys are alright they're paid and they've got Matt Black Maseratis and Ferraris but to get to this point they put a lot of hard work in so read that if you can about Pereira we'll put the link on uh, followthewithkin.com as part of the uh, episode 7.8 article on there but the most important thing is it wasn't easy to persuade a player like that to join Watford from Juventus. I don't think he necessarily initially wanted to come. I think he, he presumably wanted to. It was a protracted transfer. Um, so I think he was probably looking somewhere else. But I think games like today will ultimately make it easier for us to say, well, look, this is the way the club's going. And not just show them the ground. Oh, look, we're building the ground. Anyone can build the ground with money. Um, Look at, the, look at the results we're doing. We are not mucking around. We're not messing around. And this is just another yardstick, another sort of... I always remember when sort of Graham Souness planted that... Fenerbahce, he was Galatasaray manager and he went out into the middle of the uh, Fenerbahce uh, pitch and put that flag in the middle. And it feels like that. We're just putting a, a big flagpole, a big sort of marker in the ground and saying, look, we are not mucking around. Everyone should enjoy this day. It's, it's monumentous. Man United are still Man United. You look at the t- if you're in any doubt as to the strength of the squad, check out the team sheet. It's outrageous. We absolutely, we absolutely battered them. Um, Watford feel like a Premier League side, and I've always said that this year is going to be difficult. It feels like a little, it feels a little bit easier after today. That's, that's the thing. It, feel, it feels different from last year because Kike certainly had his uh, let's sort out the defence first, but Walter. So he, he, I don't think he's gone either way. He hasn't gone a defence or attack first. It does seem, especially at this point, we've already we've been competing already. I know that the players you know, were under another manager and playing the Premier League, Premier League last year. But Walter seems to have a, a better balance, I think, than Kike. Yeah, I think that's... Well, certainly Kapu would agree. <laughs> um, uh, you know, his agent, when he put in the goal bonus, Potso's probably signed off whatever he wants. No, he never scores. And suddenly, and suddenly, he's, uh, suddenly he's a hot shot. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Masari came in with a system he wanted to play. Um, and he's, he's taught the players, or he's got the players to play that system. I don't know. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. We do see him a little bit further ahead. And we have beaten Man United and we have dominated them. And yes, the narrative will always be for the other team because we are in the Premier League we are one of the smaller teams and that's going to be the way for a little bit and we have to get used to that every time we win someone else loses and there's fans of that team who want to hear their point, their team's point of view who don't go to games so there'll always be the press talking about Man United or West Ham and there's a story West Ham at the Olympic Stadium Man United with Mourinho and all the money they spent 
that doesn't really bother me. You know, I think I think if you're a fan from a distance, then what the press say it matters. But if you go to the games, if you're like a bit nerdy like us, kind of follow Watford closely, know people at the club and stuff, then it then you don't really need to the mainstream press to kind of give you your Watford fill. You know, I, I, well, it's maybe I don't want the Watford fill. I sort of quite like the fact that. They are going to be, um, we're sort of going under the radar a little bit, just for at least a couple more months. Potentially, but the fact that, you know, there is an interest in a national newspaper to interview Pereira, there is an interest, you know, they're seeing that there's, commercially it's justifiable for them to talk about Watford, and today's game will have been on TV, so around the world, and, and people will have watched it because it's Man United. And if you look at, you know, previous games where we've had big games, we haven't turned up against Crystal Palace and Wembley and stuff like that. This is a big game, and we've had three big games against Arsenal, against uh, Chelsea and against Man United at home this season already and we've turned up in all of them so there was, this is the first time we've actually got something out of it but we haven't looked out of place Watch about Geordie because the Manchester United coach is slowly solemnly making its way at occupation it's, it's mode all, It's appropriately all blacked out as well like a funeral kind of a vehicle A podcast by Watford fans, for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. Mike, Watford last week, away at West Ham, uh, wore their away kit. The the moment that that caught my eye was when I looked at Gomez wearing a purple kit, with West Ham wearing a uh, claret red, uh, decided that uh, that was fine and that was dandy. Uh, One Watford fan in particular, Jamie Parkins, um, it it sort of caught his eye and I caught up with him just after today's game to talk about uh, something he'd been, a chat he'd been doing on uh, social media uh, this week. So Jamie, you had a thing on Twitter this week about uh, away kits. Mm. Uh, What what sparked it off? So I was at the West Ham game last week, fantastic victory, came home and then suddenly when you watch the highlights it sort of dawned on me the fact that, hang on, we're in our all white kit, which personally I don't really like that much. And you sort of think, those iconic moments, you want them in yellow and red or yellow and black, whichever persuasion you are. And it, um, so I sort of dug into the rest of the fixtures and I noticed the Chelsea game, Chelsea are all white. Like, there's no need for Chelsea to be in all white when they come to Vicarage Road, absolutely none at all. And it just, yeah, it just got my goat a little bit. I mean, it's, it's a small problem, but for me, I just felt like expressing it and seeing what other people felt about it. Well, this was the first time in the league where we've had both teams wearing their home kits. Yeah, I mean, frankly, United could wear purple and green for all I care after <laughs> after today's result I mean I think it's just the response I got from the from the survey was that most fans or 75% as it was enjoy seeing their team in their primary kit you know home or away regardless of that and you know there's there's obviously a feeling attached to those colours that's what we invest in and I just think the feedback I got was that fans want to see their club playing in their true colours as often as they can I think I'm a big fan of American sports and they always have so you watch an NFL game the away team is always in white they always have, when you're away, you wear the away kit. Yeah, and if you look at, and so in baseball, they wear like a grey kit. And with the, with the name, their away kit doesn't have the name of the team, it has the name of the city that they wear. So they've, they've got this one kit they always wear in away matches. So they, they effectively, they're taking the, the, the decision out of the hands of what, what appears to be the marketeers. I, mm. I get why people do this, right? It's about shifting units of shirts. I, I kind of get that. But then, do you know what? We had away kits in the 80s and 90s and you know, we would wear them when there was a clash and we were still selling shirts then, maybe not the same volume. So you could argue that I'm being slightly naive about the whole thing, but I don't care about units sold. I care about seeing my team on TV in red and, red and yellow. That was my point. I don't expect any change, but it was interesting nonetheless to, to hear what other fans thought. And in most cases, as I said, 75% 
responded saying they you know when there's a clash yes they accept the away kit but when there isn't they'd like to see Watford in yellow and red I don't think we technically need an away kit uh, this season in the Premier League maybe for Hull but yeah, then yeah. you probably need to have one in the in the back pocket just in case there's a, there's a cup tie yeah, um, down the road but what so what would you say you don't like the white kit what would be your favourite away kit then what's your all time fave um, well, I'm going to undo my argument here. I guess my favourite was probably the white one of 85, 86 with the yeah. Solvay um, horizontal. But that's just because that's the kit I grew up with. So, But, I mean, I don't think we've had great ones. I never, I never liked the AC Milan one, the whole kind of Luther Blissett connection. Yeah. Didn't really buy that. I think probably the black one, um, sort of Viali years, I think it was, yeah. was, was quite nice. But you could argue, well, why are people wearing black? It's the referee's colour traditionally. But that, obviously that ship has sailed as well. So, um, no, look, give me yellow and red every time. And I'm a red shorts guy. You know, that, that, <laughs> that's where I stand on that argument. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. As the Manchester United team uh, leave us, uh, let's look ahead. This was the difficult... We're on seven points now, Mike. Yep. Uh, how many points did you think we were going to be on, truthfully? Our friend Paul in Denver said zero by this point, and he worried about us going into the next few games. Where did you think we were going to be I hope, by this point? I hope we picked something up at Southampton. I hope we picked something up at West Ham. Um, so, I pro- you know, two or three points. I thought maybe a couple of draws or a win, um, to be perfectly frank. Uh, but I think Geordie's right, and I think we need to look at the... Look at the performances that we put in. We've been in every game. The, there was a there was a, a, a daft twi- a sort of ten five minute spell at the end at the end of the first half against Arsenal. But apart from that, we've been we've been pretty good. And I think we were a little bit harsh on them their first half performance at, at West Ham because watching it back, they actually created in between West Ham's Rabonas and all that nonsense. And by the way, what a load of tut has been made about Troy Deeney's comments. Um, about winding them up, about not about being disrespectful. That's not what he meant at all. I think he said he just it was just annoyed him, it annoyed us in the crowd. So what a load of nonsense spoken about that. But in between West Ham's goals, we actually we actually created some chances ourselves. So I think I was probably a little bit unduly harsh in, on on our first half performance at West Ham. So if you take the season as a whole, I think it's been good. There've been so many positive signs. I think you, you mentioned Kike earlier, and I think it's all very very important to remember the job he had. Just finished second in the championship but we had a leaky defence. We were all petrified about what was going to happen to our defence in the Premier League. His job was to deal with that, and he did. So I think, and I think Matsari is further along. I think Watford are further along this season, and we're making quicker progress. But it's important to remember the role that that last year's squad and last year's management had in that, because they had a job to do that is different to this year's job. Um, but great that it's, this has been a continuum rather than a having to step back before we step forward. Yeah, I, what it feels like is that just strength and depth for this squad is, is just greater. It's just, it feels like we've got more of an idea, we feel more solid. Um, but yeah, to go back to your original question, I thought maybe three points. I would have been probably happy with three, knowing that we're going to be under pressure going to places like Burnley, having Bournemouth come here. But now what we've done, we've set, all we've done is, and I'm going to enjoy today, everyone should enjoy today, it was a, it was a fantastic Watford performance, one that we live long in the memory and rightly so. But now we've got kind of under a little bit of different pressure away at Burnley on a Monday night. We all know what it's like there. It's noisy, it's intimidating. Um, it's an old-style ground, much like it is here at Watford. Um, and, you know, there's some of the players that, that Watford have got that are performing well, Capu, uh, Pereira, they, they'll, they'll be different. That'll be a different challenge for them. So 
we've set ourselves up now, we've set a really, really high benchmark and now the job is to live up to these sort of standards. And I think Man United had a poor game, but I think the, the players they played against, they've proved they can, they can battle against some of these big guys, uh, players with talent that they know they can't um, lose for a minute. So good concentration levels, good effort, good work rate, good uh, intelligent play, um, decisive when they needed to be. But now we have to do it away at Burnley. And it kind of, it wouldn't undo it all because we've still got points on the board. But we don't want to now go and sort of mess this up by losing away at Burnley. Jolie, for me, like the, the West Ham game last year at home, that sort of, I think, kicked us into gear. And like I said last week, I thought the win away at West Ham is going to kick us into gear and it sort of continued. And the one thing I didn't want from this week's game was to Manchester to come here and absolutely dominate, dominate us and to completely take the wind that we'd gathered in our sails uh, at the uh, London Stadium to, to disappear. It hasn't. In fact, the, the, the sales are fuller. Um, but I don't want ne next week needs to be... There's almost like the worry is that we don't really come across or feel like we're watching an arrogant team. I don't think we have an arrogant team. You know, like we said before, the, today everybody did their nasty side of the job. Uh, I guess the, the, the challenge is as we get better, that, that complacency doesn't creep in and people start thinking, well, it's not in my natural game to track back, it's not in my natural game to do whatever, so I'll slack off because of whatever. I don't think that'll happen. I think what's really great is we've brought these extra players in. We've really got a really international squad now, even with a manager who needs a translator. And the spirit there, you know, it's, it's, it's like the old Watford still. You can still see the players running for the shirt. Uh, you know, uh, when Dunigo got fouled for the penalty, kind of Amrabat was jumping into him like, like a little kid, you know, yeah. celebrating it and the players all celebrating. And but the work that success did, before, by the way, we didn't talk about success really, but and then he came on, but he was strong going into that box and he put the ball over to Dunigo, who you know, then got the foul. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. We haven't got players who are good at one thing anymore. We used to have, a, you know, we used to have players who like good, a defender who was good in the air but was like suspect on the floor or, a, you know, a guy who could cross it or a guy could get to the wing but couldn't cross it. Or, or a player who, who could shoot but didn't have a left foot. Now we've got players who've got, who are more complete. So you'll see like success, pick the ball up, then be able to pick his head up and find Zuniga. And then you suddenly find a midfielder who's just come on the pitch. Even for his goal, he'd, literally, he'd come on the pitch, made a run. And it wasn't like, oh, you know, he hadn't had a touch, let's give him a chance to get in the game. No, he's an international footballer. The ball comes to him, back of the net, no problem. And I, th and I, and I think... 50, yeah. 50 seconds between him coming on and that ball hitting the back of the net. Really? Yeah. But Mike was counting. Uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike, you know, Mike, like, Mike does that. Um, but I just, I just, yeah, I just think we've got players who are complete, and they mustn't have complacency. But they're professionals, so you'd hope that Matsari doesn't have to worry about keeping their feet on the ground. We're not a team who's on a cup run from the championship, who's kind of like, oh my god, we're going to you know Villa Park for a semi-final, or we've got two legs against Liverpool type thing. You know, we could get to Wembley. Wouldn't it be amazing? We've had since we've had Chelsea, Arsenal. A trip to the Olympic Stadium and uh, Man United, you know, and, and that's, that's just our day-to-day. -day. And for these guys, we've played in World Cups, played in top flight in other countries. This is their day-to-day, -day. and I think what we need to do is keep, keep, that, keep that ball rolling. Two games coming up for the next international break. Uh, we've got uh, Burnley away on a cold Monday evening, uh, and then Bournemouth back here. What are your expectations, Michael? 
very, very difficult to say. Um, what are you going to say? Come on, tell, put your, put your ma- uh, What I want is what I explained earlier, is us to maintain this, this, this level of performance, really get our foot on the pedal and just keep moving forward. Let, and and I, I, I sort of a little bit taken aback by this. I know you weren't suggesting that they might be arrogant. I think that's, that's, not, that's not a part of this, this squad at all. I don't think there's any danger that there'll be arrogance. What I'd worry about is just, can we, you know, can we maintain it? And I think the answer is yes. Now there's no reason that you know, Burnley should be thinking... At the start of the season, they should they'll probably have been thinking, right, that's an opportunity for us to pick up three points. Now, I want them to think, well, I'll take, you know, I'll take a draw or, you know, this is going to be really difficult. Um, and, you know, Bournemouth got their asses handed to them to the, to, by Man City um, yesterday and, you know, Guardiola blowing smoke up Eddie Howe's back, backside doesn't mean anything. It was a dig at, a dig at Mourinho, wasn't it, basically? Um, but, uh, you know, I think Bournemouth will be worried about coming here. I think we've moved on. We are moving on apace. Um, and yeah, the, the players are looking good. They, they, it's a different squad, but it's a better squad. And I'd like to think that we're going to, you know, I'll take a point away at Burnley and we'll beat Bournemouth at home. Four points. Four points it is. Lock them in the bank. Bank. <laughs> um, thank you very much for listening uh, to the Now the Weekly from the Rickery. Make sure you subscribe via iTunes. Hey, even leave a review. Positive or negative? Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, uh, you can follow us on social media. How can you do that, Mike? Uh, Facebook at Watford Podcast, Twitter Watford Podcast, Instagram at Watford Podcast. So where do we have to go? Uh, Bebo.com forward slash uh, Watford Podcast, uh, MySpace.com forward slash. Um, yeah, get involved. It's great. We're getting loads of interaction, um, loads of people listening, which is which is great. It's obviously more of a reflection on what's going on on the pitch, I think, than on our uh, on the work we're doing. But yeah, keep keep the listens coming in. Recommend us to mates if you think it, we're worth a listen. But yeah, all the interaction is great. It makes uh, it makes it all worthwhile. Uh, and there's so much to talk about at the moment. So yeah, just let us know your thoughts. And that way, I don't ramble on like a sort of overexcited school kid. And we can probably t- we can have a more structured conversation. <laughs> Over to you. Uh, thank you very much to Jamie Parkins uh, for getting involved uh, again. Big thing this year, we want to get more Watford fans, more Watford voices on this podcast. He's another one that we can uh, put on the uh, on the list. Uh, thank you very much, Jordy. Thank you. And thank you, Michael. Hey, look, no no thanks required. Well done, Watford. Well done, Watford fans. Well done, everyone. I thought that was that was one of the best moments uh, of being a Watford sport. I think it's, it's, that's up there. So thank you, Watford. Keep it up. Come on, you golden boys. Yeah.